<laughs> Welcome to the Avants Podcast. I'm Dan. You're setting the mood over there. And I'm brother. Nick. We're, we're, Recording in the future from the back. <laughs> See your TV like changing color in the background. Yes, uh, that's not my. I don't think mm. that's the that's the Christmas tree. I'm in my new studio. Uh, so, Nick's in his apartment. Ah, yeah, look at you! It's uh, stark and white. That's nice. <laughs> I need to get you stuff fancy. on the walls. <laughs> you know what really helps though is the right? fact that you're wearing a white sweatshirt against a white background. So I'm pretty far kind against of a the wall, so I want to put stuff yeah. behind me for work. But that's like you know. <laughs> Right there, so <laughs> it's right there, and I know how low right. the ceiling yeah, is. Yeah, I'm trying to make sitting, the most so. of the space yeah. in here, but it's yeah. a, it's turning into a, it's a nice little space. Don't get me wrong, but it's a it's it's in its functional state. Yeah. It's not in its not in its aesthetically pleasing state. So, well, considering the last that is 100 percent true. Uh, I think you, it's an upgrade. I did evict a bird the other it's day. It's an upgrade. So we're, we're going to call it. <laughs> it did. did you? I didn't think anything knew it could live yeah, there anymore. After, after fumigating, your... yeah. Annihilation. No, it's a, it's a nice <laughs> yes. little place, though. Yeah. Like it, it keeps me warm, yeah. and it's perfect yeah. for being away from the house while working, which is really nice because it's just less distractions from the dog and the bird. So, yeah, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. and the tarantula, yeah. and the tarantula. I need to feed. <laughs> yeah, it's a tarantula. Yes. <laughs> yes, I noticed. Yes, <laughs> I start. Long story short, uh, if you've heard of our our uh, our shop talk chat, what do we call it? <laughs> shop talk. Dan and I and Megan have a, a Facebook group that we talk in, and I started a conversation last night and then passed out. And then these two proceeded to have like another two-hour conversation about spiders. Do they have toes? And <laughs> Handling tarantulas. Yeah. So, so it's pretty good. Yeah. Handling tarantulas, yes. Things that we all have That's to do right. these days living in the Pacific Northwest. Give it a few years. Handle tarantulas. So. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you are you staying dry? I noticed a couple of the roads up to you over well, by the lake. Were, all the floods were, uh, have receded, close. which is people probably from the outside of the Northwest think we might be joking. We're obviously not. We got as much rain as you would expect for Washington, but it was seriously flooding everywhere up here. And so I had to take certain roads out of the property. Like my house has no – if my house floods, Seattle's underwater, which is fine at this point. But um, the uh, – yeah, the – all the water, like it filled all the gutters and the, the shop was leaking, which is not uncommon. I need to get put a new roof on it. I know that. I just, it's just I don't know why right, you don't get up there and slide the right and off. You'll know where the leaks I know are. where Come they on. are. It's so. a combination. Shauna has life insurance yeah, on you. It's fine. Exactly. Just do it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm happy. But the good news is, is the, well, the studio does not leak. So it's the one place in the shop that's perfectly dry because well, my dad worked on it. So, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say your your father built it's it, also so there's no way it's going to leak. Yeah. It's a, or it stays so. cool and it stays warm because it's so well insulated. Because it's basically double insulated. It's an insulated room inside yeah. of an insulated building, and so it's really comfortable in here. Did you finish the insulation around the outside inside the I shop? Did. Did I did. I got a bunch more on the shop itself. There's still more okay. that I need to get up and do. Um, I am hesitating to do it up toward the roof, even though it's foam insulation. It can get wet, but I'm I don't want to up insulate all the way up there then I have to take it down again if i have to repair the roof and get in there and replace the boards I so no, I uh, but i'm yeah. gonna finish all the walls and stuff so that's good look. i know oh, look at you um, the r8's out right now <laughs> nice. uh getting its magic s tech okay. install which i'm oh. super excited about um because we want to drive it even not so much right now but you know it's just that layer of protection and i've been getting updates from the guys at s tech and metropolitan they're showing me uh, you know, updates as they do the install and stuff like that. And it's like, there's, it's so much more relaxing to drive a car when you're not terrified of every little chip 
Um, and normally I'm not on a car. Like with a truck, I don't I don't care. It has it has paint protection too. But like a car like the R8, I want it to stay looking nice. And so having that paint protection on there gives me a lot more peace of mind. <laughs> so yeah. You know, I, I think obviously in the long run, it's going to be fabulous. Uh, I was you, you were talking about putting things on cars, and it brought up an, uh, something that came into my mind today. As I was driving on the freeway, I was driving on I-90 coming out of Issaquah. And, you know, there's a lot of creative people. I'm going to try to do this as nicely as I can because I literally almost <laughs> ran this person off the road. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's people that decorate their cars, okay? There was a certain individual on I-90, and I checked. There was no Avance plate on it, so I think I'm going to get away with this. Um, was driving a Cadillac uh, CT4, CTS or CT4, something like that. Okay. All of the accessories on, the, like, the trunk lid and the fin were covered in Swarovski crystals. <laughs> Do you know what happens when a back of a Cadillac is covered in Swashi crystals and you have people behind them with HID headlights and the amount of reflection it brings? Like to the point where it was the most dangerous thing I've ever seen somebody do to their car. So well, don't that, do that. that okay? reminds me of that PSA <laughs> that. who put it out. was telling people not to bedazzle their steering wheels because they basically just make a claymore mine when the, when the yeah. airbag goes off. Uh, yeah. I just like – as I was coming up on it, I was it, it looked like – I mean, it looked like I was coming into a diamond mine. There was just these lights come up, and then you get close, and then there was a guy behind him in like a brand new Porsche Taycan that had really nice Porsche headlights, that, and it like was going ball. everywhere <laughs> as far as reflections. So, like, don't do that, people. It's it's you know, I'm you sure it looks pretty in the mass. Yeah. Somebody put in disco ball mirrors. <laughs> they call it the F Everyone Three Thousand Welding. Mask. Nope, but I like it. <laughs> it's like that's hilarious. I like it. I like. I it, saw so. uh, another odd car mod yeah. that was well, odd, but actually is. As bad as it, I, it could look, it actually looked really nice because they had done it really well. It was a, S, a Civic, uh, the new R, the the newer a newer Type R, and they had painted the brake rotors, which are normally red on that car to begin with, but they had painted them in a reflective red paint, like really reflective. And it, behind the wheels, I, as cheesy as it sounds, it actually looked pretty cool. Because they weren't glowing, it was just kind of like, oh, that's. It was a really subtle touch. You wouldn't even see it during the day, but it was cool to see it pull out of a parking spot at night. And I was just like, huh, that's kind of neat. Actually, <laughs> it didn't look as bad as they thought it would. Hmm. I know the question I want to ask you again on the freeway in Issaquah. The body style of the mm-hmm. Audi that you had, the S4. Did they make an RS4 uh, version I mean, of here, that? No. The last RS4 they had was the the same one that, okay. that Jason Boryog has, the B7. Yeah. Jason, okay, because there was a very tricked out, what I believe to be probably an A4, but it had RS4 badges and ABT badges I mean, all over it, so I wasn't sure. I, it made me think, like, I didn't even think they even made, I knew they made an S4, because that's what you had, but I didn't know they made an RS4. Yeah, not for the which US I don't market. Think they, they did everywhere else in the world. I was curious about that. We got so. screwed on that one. Yeah. Which, yeah, I still want that well, RS3 do. wagon. So yeah. um, I'm going to talk about an amateur hour mistake yes. I made this week. Uh, it's really bad too. Like, okay. Because this is not a tip of the week. This was just a really you? stupid, stupid mistake, and it's 100 percent on me. Like, period. So I was looking at two Corvettes on Bring a Trailer, uh, C8 Z06s, okay. uh, both white, and one of them had expired, and one of them was there. And I have been working my ass off this week. It hasn't been a bad week. It's just been an exceptionally busy. 
Yeah, oh, one, of, one of the auctions has expired. One of the auctions was live. Okay. And I was comparing prices and just looking at where okay. they were going because I'm starting to see, if you follow the Corvette forums and the the groups on Facebook and stuff, dealers will post stuff when they have one for sale. Most people post one were way over MSRP and everyone tells them to go to hell. But every now and then a dealer pop in and be like, hey, I've got one at MSRP. If anybody wants it, like here it is, which is really cool. Um, it's usually somebody backed out of a 23, but the prices are coming down. They They are stabilizing. Newsio oh, six. I see seven C eight. Sorry, yeah, okay. I, I thought you were I was looking, looking for the C eight too. And this one, yeah. and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put yeah. a bid on this thing. And it was a, uh, I bid what I thought was relatively higher, but I did it on the wrong car. I was looking at the specs on one car and looking at the bid, the auction on another car. And this car, I would not buy personally. It was a pretty well specced Z06, but it was not a Z07. And if you know me, I'm not going to buy a Z06 without a Z07 package because I want the carbon ceramics mainly that's the main thing i want is the car ceramic brakes and i was like oh shit i just bid one hundred fifty thousand dollars on a car i don't want and looking at the sales history of z06s i was a very 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 high chance of me winning that car and so basically that was friday night and i basically did not sleep friday night because i was like crap what am i going to do like can i back out this bid and if you listen to our previous episode with bring a trailer no you cannot back out a bid when you place one and at the minimum i would be out of if i didn't buy the car would be fifty one hundred dollars because you pay the the buyer's fee to bring a trailer which in this case because it's so because of the cost would have been five thousand dollars and then a hundred dollars to the auction to for them to post the auction and then i would be banned from bringing a trailer for life for making a false bid and not buying the car so as I'm shitting bricks all morning and because I don't want to buy this car because it's not optioned the way I want. Luckily for me, this was a new in the wrap, not a used one, not a 300 mile car with a vo- warranties void. 204,000. So go yeah. But every other Z06 mm-hmm. in 2023 has either been used. And so they go for a lot less because flippers don't get, you don't get the warranty if you buy a flip car. And two, they're, you're buying a used car on a new. This one was new and it was a 70th anniversary. So a lot of people wanted it and it went sky high. But I was needless to say, very uncomfortable for that evening because I was like, I don't want this car. What am I going to do with this car? And I must be down on this car because the sticker on it was only 134. Okay. Okay. But, uh, and excuse my confusion here, but I thought you were purposely staying away from the 23s because you, you wanted to wait till if I got one, all the bugs and everything afraid I'd buy one under warranty. But and I was, but I didn't realize okay. the only That's the fair. only thing that would have stopped me from buying this car is if it had, if it didn't have a Z07 package. That was if it had a Z07 package, would have been like, yeah, cool, I'll take it. But no, I anyway. Do I need? Do Sean and I need to get together and oh, take I, away? I your, just your bring deleted the bookmark. Everything. I'm like, been... I'm staying away from that for a while, like because I need. To, I'm going to take a break. Okay. Well, no, but because uh, you, I mean, and, and we might talk about this in a future episode, but you've been pretty hot uh, yeah, on bringing like, a trailer right, right now. Taking a step as back. As, uh, um, yeah, because yeah, I almost okay. bought that BAC, and okay. we'll get, we should probably talk about that in another episode. This is not a yeah. Nick and I episode. We have a guest this week. Uh, they're yeah. not on. This is from a Portland recording, so we're, they're Absolutely. not just like sitting, hanging out, <laughs> listening to us talk like they normally do. Yeah, no. Listening uh, to us talk. Really, yeah. really great guest yeah. this week that we recorded live down in Portland, but um, recorded in person in Portland. I keep saying live. We don't have an audience. They're a studio audience, I mean, but. Needless to say, well, we were live for yeah, you and I and the guests and Sherry. So I mean, that was that but counts. yeah, I almost bought yeah, a BAC okay. mono as yeah. well. I right, we shouldn't say almost. I thought I was almost going to buy a BAC mono, and then in the last like <laughs> ten minutes of the auction, it went up another fifty thousand dollars, and I was like, oh, I'm out. Never mind. But I had it down to like the last minute. <sighs> we will tell the full. We will tell the full story, but to be a little teaser, Dan was up against yeah. curated down in Miami, which trying meant to get I'm this not going to get this so, car. Yeah. Curated wants the car. I do not have their pockets, <laughs> which um, means you're not going to. Anyway, get it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's been yeah. a it's been a lot going on the last few weeks uh, for between between the studio, the shop, <laughs> the R eight, uh, even the Raptor. There's stories there too going on. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on. I got an excavator to bring to my house. You you know, it's, oh god. <laughs> We'll get to the that. Carter tip. We need to get to the the the, the, the Carter Motors uh, tip because both of you, both of us, are having the same thing right now. And the fact that Subaru has sent me an email and Ford sent you an email that there needs to be an update. And if you're if you have a modern car, you know that most updates are now done over the air. And the fact that they send you an email, which is hilariously funny, and I'm sure it's probably the forum email we, you and I both got that said, yep. "Go park your car next to your house so that it can get near your Wi-Fi, and then let fun things happen while your car is running." Just so we're clear, too. Yeah. So, so go ahead. I. <laughs> Um, yeah, I got the Ford one and it was okay. The last time one Ford has, doesn't have the greatest history with sync updates. Okay. If you want to go some entertainment, go look at Reddit for Ford sync updates. And you'll be like, what did they break this time is the newest thread. Every time they have a Ford sync update, not to mention it updates at the speed of like dial up or three G during a storm via Wi-Fi. So it's like it updates for like you sit in your truck for like 30 minutes and it updates and then it just stops and does nothing forever and then when you they want you to update it's like hey park your truck for a half hour don't let it turn off on its own and then so ideal the best time to update your wi-fi and your or your the best way to update the firmware in your car if you can drive it is to be while you're on a road trip because whatever they say it's going to take it's either going to take like one tenth that time or three times as long and You'd think math being the one thing you can do perfectly, they can figure this out, especially since, you know, there's a billion Ford F-150s out there and they all have the same software and systems. So you'd think it'd be a pretty predictable rate of adoption, but no. Um, so anyway, the best way to do that is not over the air. Uh, it works sometimes and some cars are better about it than others, but even the Audis I've had, the, I mean, the Mercedes is probably the worst at everything electric, but the the Corvette, they all were better over USB. Download the update on your computer, put it on a USB thumb drive, pop it in, and go for a drive somewhere where you're not going to stop every 15 minutes. It'll just restart it, and it could take longer. So I got the little USB in my hand, and I'm going to go install this update. But, uh, yeah, over-the-air sucks. See, you're lucky because from the Subaru side to update, I have to be in the car. It cannot be moving, and yeah, you can't that's, leave that's the a, car. You can't open the doors. You can't roll down the windows. You can't do anything. Like, I would love it if I could just hook it to my phone and then go for a so drive. So try it. They, they it tell you, work. like, they have the over-the-air option. Try it. Go to their website. Like, Ford doesn't tell you. Like, you can get Like, take that back. So Ford sort of hints that you can get the USB update. But sometimes they have, like, an embedded link you got to find somewhere because they want you to do it over Wi-Fi. I don't understand why. They make it as difficult as possible. It's just... Man, well, they but indeed they yeah, want you to take it to a dealership. Odd. is what they want you to do, um, have them do it. Well, even well, then, money. it just seems like <laughs> that's got to annoy their. It's got to be really bad for their system because it's. I mean, I guess I guess in the end, a service advisor could do it, or even your lowest level tech could be like, "Put car on, hit Wi-Fi, wait, walk away." Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't have to. They plug the computer into the. Well, they don't the have the OBD two. It goes. I mean, most companies don't actually have like an OBD OBD two option for firmware updates for their dashes. It's usually USB. No, I'm saying they just like when I had Subaru do the last one, they just they took the laptop, they plugged their USB into their laptop into my yeah, car. Yeah, it's sort of the same thing it. as the USB though. They're still running straight through, and yeah. it's just yeah, it just seems like. I mean, if 
automotive infotainment has sort of been the bane of everyone's existence. Like there's millions of articles about how just how bad infotainment is in cars. I mean, it's truly awful. I mean, if if you've ever used an infotainment system, like say if you've got if you got an older vehicle and you've replaced it with a new stereo that's aftermarket, like a, a main name brand, Kenwood, Alpine, one of those, and you've used that, you will realize just how light years ahead of the factory stereo it is as far as audio quality, updates, function, like everything is lightning fast because they use way better processors. You're paying a lot for it, but it shows you how like nickel and dime they kind of make the factory systems in cars and how terrible they really are and you'd think it would be better with like a luxury car but it's actually a lot worse because there's a lot more in it so yeah nick knows what i'm talking about land rover is probably one of the worst aston martin actually is notoriously bad for this um of all companies a british surprise and electric who knew but anyway it's um it is kind of it's so frustrating so anyway i guess long story long do it via usb if you can it's always faster and it's always more reliable um and if you can, wait until the second version has come out. So typically, they updates just like phones. They're coming more and more often for cars. And you don't necessarily want to be the early adopter of these things. Uh, in my truck, this caused my screen to randomly black out, go fade to black, or just not turn on random times. Um, and this was a notorious thing on Ford. Like People on Reddit were furious. They were, like, people were starting to do a class action lawsuit on Ford because we couldn't roll back the firmware update and they finally launched a new one but there was literally a class action suit in progress like the lawyers were commenting on the forums saying hey get in touch with us because they bricked your truck uh and this is you know this is f-150s this isn't like you know 500 trucks this is like 500,000. so there's these are not a good thing to be an early adopter on so as much as i want to have the latest features i kind of want my screen to turn on too so uh, and i was going to say if, the, if you're not technologically advanced or don't want to do this go on one of the forums ask if mm -hmm. somebody in your area has done it or has the usb yeah if you yeah up. yeah get to know your other ford owners or, yeah or and your Subaru dealer owners, should help you, you with yeah. these things because they're pretty basic and easy and most of the time they'll just do it like if you while you're there for service most of the time like we talked about it before have a good relationship with your dealer bring them donuts bring them beer be their friends anyway yeah. all right uh we're gonna do a yeah. shop talk shop talk episode this week coming up so you can look forward to that we have another episode out of portland after this but uh let's bring it into our guest um we're talking with rothsport this week so good episode for you porsche people all right with us this week we have james manning he's here with uh representing rothsport which uh if you are in the porsche community or not under a rock you probably know from the motorsports community uh they've got the amazing well, every if it's motorsports and it's Porsche, it's probably Ross Sport. So we we love your work. I'm a huge fan of your uh, your rally efforts or Baja efforts, I should say. Right, that's that's a blast to do that. Uh, you know, in 2016, Jeff came to me and said, "I think we want we want to run, you know, Baja." And I thought he meant in a Cayenne or something like that. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. you know. And a couple of weeks later, he says, "Yeah, I've got I've got two 964s that we're tearing apart. Let's let's do this. We have to have them done. We have to have them done by the springtime." Where's the Cayenne? Yeah, yeah. And, that, and, and yeah. you know, and I'm like, okay, well, this guy knows what he's doing, you know. And and uh, we took we took two cars down there. Uh, no Porsche had ever finished the race before, and we got uh, third and fourth in class. Damn. Uh, with with those cars. Um, it was, it was quite interesting. You know, you, you show up with these cars and people are 
against you. You know, they're betting against you. The trophy truck guys, the buggy guys, they're all like, you are not going to make it through day one. Yeah. You know, and day one, we made it. Day two at the driver's meeting, they're like, oh, yeah, you're not going to make it through day two. You know, the silt bed is so deep. Their rocks are bigger than your car. You know, we went down with eight and a half inches of ground clearance. Right? Yeah. And they're, they're just betting against us. Day three, half the camp is like, okay, when you get to this mile marker, you want to go to the right. You're not going to make the left, you know. Day, you made it this long. Now, we get, it, now we're going to help you. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Day four, everybody is, you know, they went from betting against us to helping us. And, and that's kind of the nature of Baja, really. Uh, Baja is a, a lot of fun and a lot of camaraderie. And it, it's amazing. It's a hell of a hardcore race, yes. to say the yes. least. And uh, yeah, eight and a half inches is not a lot of clearance right. down there. Um, I saw the car though. Damn, uh, king suspension, full armor, like oh, uh, remote reservoir shocks. I mean, serious, serious yeah. engineering into that car. Yeah, what? that's that's, uh, that, that's a that's like the third iteration of that car. Right. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just watching the the progression side. The last one I saw I was going through the Instagram and just. Rolling as usual. Had you guys been down there before with other cars and done this, or was this was like a brand new idea? Um, Jeff had been down there with one another friend, um, I think in two thousand, uh-huh. and and did the thousand mile race. But since then, it's just been was in the back of his back of his mind, and wanted to do it again. And he wanted to do it in a Porsche. You know, when you think of Porsches, you think of Jeff Gamroth here in Portland. Actually, you know, anywhere yep. you think of Jeff Gamroth. Um, He's he's very talented at what he does, and when he puts his mind to something, it's gonna it's gonna happen, you know. That's yep. amazing. So let's talk a little bit about your automotive journey. Like, we always the phrase I always said like, were you the kid with ten thousand Hot Wheels and things like that with, as, as a car kid? Well, I always liked cars. Um, my family was not very mechanical. My dad would drive a car until he had to go buy a new one because that one didn't work anymore. Fair. And I always had a go-kart, and I was always tinkering with something. And it's it's kind of weird because I'm the only one in my family that is is a car person. You know, mm-hmm. my my brother took after my dad as far as his, his abilities with cars. And, uh, you know, I have two sisters. So, um, and they're, sorry, Sherry, she's looking at me. You know, I had two sisters. <laughs> she's that grinning. Yeah, it's fine. She, Continue. They're, they're not, they're, they're not car people either, you know. So, yeah. um, but my journey with cars started with go-karts. Then it started with old Volkswagens. Um, I joined the Navy right out, out of high school and I was stationed in Hawaii. And, in Hawaii, they really love the old, you know, old Beetles. And I happen to know that in Portland, Oregon, in the in the late '80s, there were tons of old oval window and split window Beetles here. So I would call my parents and say, "Send me the nickel ads or the Auto Trader," and I would circle the ones, call them up, buy them over the phone. My dad would go get them. If they ran, he would take them right down to the Matson Terminal here that used to be in Portland, and uh, they would ship to Hawaii. And I would double triple my money on these cars and that's kind of how i financed my my toys huh. there right i was i was the only one in the navy that i knew at the time that was driving a 911 it was because i was selling Volkswagens on the side. You know? I'm sure that's what the Navy thought you were selling too. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are we paying him too much? <laughs> yeah. 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 What'd you do in the Navy? So uh, I was what they called a hull technician, and hull technicians do everything uh, from general maintenance on the ships to uh, firefighting. 
but I was kind of a, I, I did a specialized thing where I did non-destructive testing at nuclear repair. So uh, I worked on submarines and, and surface ships that had uh, you know, nuclear power plants. So, oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I really enjoyed it. Well, yeah, a lot I of mean, people. Lot above of people. all, thank you for your service. I mean, that's yeah. But yeah. it's always neat to hear a story of kind of where a mechanical mind came from. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, when people thank me for my service, especially you know, just Veterans Day, I always think, boy, if they knew what I did, they would be thanking me because <laughs> yeah. I I was having a good time. You know, it was it was Hawaii for nine and a half years, and then <laughs> San Diego for a little bit, and then move to Italy, you know, so the Navy. <laughs> I'm a whole technician. What do you sell? Volkswagens. I mean, no. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So the Navy treated me well. Um, you know, when I got out at 12 and a half years, a lot of people said, what, you know, you're, you're so close to retirement. Why, why are you doing this? And it was just the right time to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I thank them for, you know, the education. I got my, my degree while I was in the Navy. I got all this, you know, specialized training while I was in the Navy. So, I, I thank them for that, but when I got out of the Navy, I uh, joined a company here in Portland called Precision Cast Parts, and Precision Cast Parts is the world's largest manufacturer of, of cast products, so it's a huge foundry. You know, they do foundries oh. and forgings. Um, I, I worked for them for 22 and a half years, and, uh, you know, I want to thank Warren Buffett, to be honest. Uh, he bought Precision Cast Parts and, and basically gave us a good payout. Those who had kept all of our stock for 22 and a half years got a pretty good payout. And it was, for me, it was time to go, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. And now you're playing. And now I'm playing, yeah. You know, I was, you know, just under 55 years old when I retired. And, and you know, life is... I don't want to say short. My my dad's going to be 92 here in, a, in another month or so. I, I hope to live till 92, and I, I want to do some fun things. Well, you know, while I'm while I'm doing it, so for sure. So yeah. you in your in your work at uh, Precision Cash Parts, where you um, you said forging, foundry. Is that how you got into machining? Is like, is, is it, what was the transferable skill set? Is what I'm trying to get at uh, from there into the car world. I I, I have the innate ability to see from a blueprint to the finished product before uh, it's okay. even there. Um, but Precision Cast Parts did allow me, you know, I, I set up a machine shop inside our facility to do large impellers for gas, um, gen, uh, gas moving gases around, uh -huh. you know, impellers. Um, so I had the experience of buying machines, setting up a machine shop, having the staff, that kind of thing. Um, so that wasn't too bad. Everything that could happen at Precision, I, I basically did. You know, I had a pretty good career there. Um, I finished up as an account manager uh, for the commercial products. So that meant everything that didn't fly was kind of under my umbrella. Huh. Everything from knees and hips and, and spinal cages to those big gas impellers and, you know, fuel injectors for uh, industrial gas turbines. So... That that was nice. It that job took me around the world, and I, I learned a lot from it. That genuinely sounds interesting. Yeah, it, yeah. It, was, it was totally interesting. That's a hell yeah. of a list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So, how did you get involved with uh, with Rothbord? So, I, I met Jeff twenty five years ago, probably. Um, I had a car. The guy that was taking care of you know my Porsches uh, retired, and I needed somebody to look after some of my cars, and I went out and I met Jeff, and we just hit it off. You know, we, we kind of have the same mind. He, he, uh, he, he's the rain man of Porsches, and, and, 
you know, that was a great movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's how we met. Um, you know, the crazy part about it is Sherry's sitting here, not with a mic on, but the same place that I met her, I was sitting with Jeff when we decided to go to Baja. And and uh, that was a restaurant in West Lynn where I grew up, and... Uh, uh, I wanted to steal a, sh- a chair from Sherry and her friend one night. It was a Wednesday night, summer market there in West Lynn. And uh, I said, can I steal this chair? And she says, well, only if you sit in it for a while. Tell me tell me something about you, you know. And so I started talking. You hostage know. situation? It, it, it was a hostage situation, <laughs> yeah, yes. Exactly. I started talking with her, and she's like, do you know this person? Yes. Do you know this person? Yes. Do you know this person? Yes. All around the car community, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, why don't we know each other? <laughs> and I said, well, now we do, and I didn't leave. Because you for, forced me to sit down and but, talk to you. But and, I, no. <laughs> I, left, I left my big table of friends that were sitting out there. I would, at, too. Yeah. For Sherry yeah. and her <laughs> friend for an hour or more, you know. And, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So, so we chatted. Nobody blames you. Yeah. <laughs> so we chatted and uh and i don't know three months less than three months later she's in baja with us so you know it, was, it was a pretty pretty good experience and so far it's been a good friendship or she knew who you were made sure you came over there she wanted to go no <laughs> <laughs> she was plotting she's, she's, she's good she's, like that she, she, was stalking me. she knows everything <laughs> there are worse things to have a woman like that stalk you yeah, so exactly. yeah that's true so yeah, I didn't know you guys had. I didn't know you went down to Baja. That's interesting. Okay. Yep. She's, okay. She's been twice. down twice. Okay. She did the five hundred with us in uh, October of twenty two. Yeah, and then the thousand um, this year in yeah. in April May. The ladies of Avant have way cooler lives than we do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well. Well, you and I keep relying on our looks, and it's not getting us anywhere. Yeah, so, that's true. Um, <laughs> they rely on their brains. Uh, yes. So, yeah, personality. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. So, so I mean, are you, are you going? Is Baja on the list for next year? Yes. All right. Yes, we uh, we are building a bunch of cars really to go down there. Um, you know, rebuilding, I should say, because yeah. because nothing ever comes out of Baja the same. <laughs> um, you know, we're taking a, a buggy down. We're taking. Uh, two 911s down, 964s down. Uh, we're taking two Cayennes down at least. Um, we're starting a new Cayenne that hopefully will be done. I got my fingers crossed. Uh, that will be done for this. That'll be uh, just a straight out race car. So Nice. That's a monumental effort yeah, to do Baja. Yeah. It's, when you took those first two cars down there, was it 2020? That was the first year or 20? No, uh, 2017. 2017. Okay. Yeah. And obviously everybody was against you and they're saying, you're not going to do this, you're not going to do this. What was the one thing that you think couldn't fail that actually failed? Like what, what failed? What, I, <laughs> I, so many times I've heard people talk about stories and they're like, well, we knew our drive shaft was totally bulletproof. And they're like, and the first thing that broke was our drive shaft. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's, that's a rough question because we figured everything was going to break. Okay. You know, we, we basically had a spare car in the trailer uh, <laughs> other than the shell. You know, we had suspension, we had wheels and tires, we had a motor and transmission, we had, we had everything in there. So okay. It, so you did think ahead of it. Yes. Yeah, but, you know, we've replaced more axle trailers on these trips because we're maybe be. I shouldn't say we are overweight, but we might have been overweight on these trailers. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly yes. yes. And, and the and the roads in Baja are horrible, right? Yeah. So, um, over the last, I guess this last um, May, we. We got three new trailers uh, that'll haul two cars each that 
are pretty bulletproof. You know, they have 10,000 pound axles underneath them, spare axles, all kinds of stuff. So they're, they're real nice. I think that's a perfect example. You answered my question so well. Like, cause like of all things you think about breaking, you think you're going to break everything on the car. You don't think about the, the things that took the car down there. And like, you know, yeah. I, I saw another team, I forgot years ago, they were like, yeah, our car did great in Baja, but our, our support truck kept overheating. We had, you know, heating right. issues. And I'm like, oh, it's just stuff you don't think about. So, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, we've had we've had support trucks die alongside the road, and we're like, "See you later. Catch <laughs> yeah. up with us." You know, that's only going to be a yeah. tough thing if I break down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, what did go wrong the first race? Um, first race, we just beat the hell out of the bottom of the car without okay. the ground clearance. Every night, there, there's full, you know, skid plates underneath, uh, quarter inch, three eighths inch thick aluminum skid plates, mm-hmm. and we were beating them with a 20-pound sledgehammer on the curb in the middle of the night trying to get them straight so they would bolt back onto the car because yeah. you have to take the skid plates off to see everything else, and sometimes we were really making a lot of noise beating those skid plates. So I'm sure you're the only people doing that in the middle of the night, especially <laughs> yeah. during Baja. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, the logistics of of Baja are just as challenging as the race, to be honest. Um, every night you're in a new place, so you have to find a place to stay, and you have to find a place that'll hold, you know, we're with these trailers, we're 65 feet long with the truck and trailers. Um, you got to find a place that'll hold three of those that can sleep, you know, 15 to 20 people, because that, that's usually Ugh. the crew that goes down with drive, including drivers. Um, so the logistics of that sometimes are, are a nightmare. That's amazing. Did you do a design change on the skid plates after that first year? Oh, yeah. Everything's had a design change after every race, something changes. Even, even, you know, this, this last year, Jeff drove the red sled, you know, flawlessly. Um, It didn't, I shouldn't, you know, air quotes. It didn't break much. Right. Um, But there's things you can improve, you know. So now the approach angle to the car is being changed. Uh, um, yeah. So so you can dive into a hole a little deeper. But so that changes, you know, the whole front tub, the skid plate, the gas tank, the spare tire, everything that's mounted up underneath the hood now has to change. So all those little things, you know, seems like a little thing to do, change approach angle, but it's all being re-engineered and, and changed. That space has got to be taken up or taken away from something. So, right. Yeah. You know, I want to give a shout out to uh, TJ Russell. Uh, I don't know if you know TJ. He's the Baja 911. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know the name, so I'm sure I've seen his Instagram or something. Yeah, yeah. so he he builds some wicked cars, right? Uh-huh. Um, another uh, Avance uh, member, Sheriff, has one of his cars, and he runs in Baja with us. Um T.J. Russell builds a great car, and in between he and Jeff and their engineering minds and, and the skills, uh, it's, it's a really nice car. So, huh. Very cool. Yeah. So many people, just normal people that think of Porsche, don't think about taking those off-road and doing things like that. I mean, obviously. And yet Porsche's been doing it for a long time. I'm, I'm aware yeah. of that with, yeah. with the, nine, with the Paris with of the car. Yep. car 959s. Yeah. 959s, and now the which I don't think many of them will actually see dirt, the, the new safaris, but yeah, yeah. the new Dakar. <laughs> yeah, yes. the, yeah. So well, one just sold on bring a trailer for like $450,000. So I think, I think you're right. They probably won't see a lot of dirt, but I hope I, I say this and I think Dan, and I've talked about, it. I hope somebody goes out and absolutely beats the pants off it. I think they did. They did one. It, there was one yeah. at SEMA that, that it looked like they had just rolled it in from the desert. And yeah. I mean, those cars look so good aesthetically. I mean, with the racks and the lights and, 
I was watching somebody do an install video of that rack and, and the, way, the way it powers up through the fin, and it's a great-looking car. It is. It's a neat car. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. At Rensport Reunion and Reunion at the uh, at the corkscrew up on top, they had one sitting up on the rocks up there. It was pretty cool. That's cool. As a display. Well, I mean, in Europe, we've been watching. I mean, they've been literally rallying RSs like GT3s and RSs mm-hmm. for years, and I used to. That was like my favorite YouTube thing to watch back in right. the day, and that's been. Uh, so it's, it's people are using them. They are. Yep. Well, no, I know, I'm just saying the normal person that thinks of a Porsche doesn't think about taking it off-road, let alone taking their Porsche SUV off-road. But, I right. mean, this is, you know. But I think it's going to inspire people to, you know, take a 996 and, yeah. and rally that. You know, uh, the Overcrest rally had a 996. Was that a 996 or it came? It was a 996 that they that they had brought out, and mm-hmm. it was a rally. Um, so those are cheap enough, you know. Yeah. Um, when the Overcrest guys will take any Porsche off road, I love that about them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was not, it was pretty fun to see those. They're meant to be driven. Exactly, yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. So, have you gotten into the road racing side with Ross Sport at all? Or you- uh, no, you know, I used to road race a little bit. Um, you know, chump cars and lemons, and then do track days with the Porsche Club and things like that. Um, but it just, I don't know. You you drive the same corner. Yeah. A hundred times in a day, right? When you're road racing. In, in the Baja race, you drive that corner once and may never, ever see that corner again, you know. So you really have to pay attention, you know, to your navigator. If you are the navigator, you have to pay attention to what's coming up next and, and what kind of speed you can carry into that corner. Or, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a lot more challenging. It makes you think a lot more. You know, I don't want to say that road racing isn't challenging because it, it yeah, is. Yeah, clearly it is, but it's different. <laughs> as soon as you master, you know, where your braking point is and where you enter that corner and where to put the throttle down out of that corner, you know exactly the next time you come around to do that. And sure, it takes time to perfect that. But by the time you run a race, you're, you're on autopilot at the end, you know, and it's just kind of grueling at that point. Um, where, where in Baja... You know, it's grueling. <laughs> yeah, the whole time. The whole time because you're never on autopilot because you're trying to keep up with your navigation. You know, that's the that's the crazy part. Yeah, rally has more rally Baja. All that has more of an appeal to me. That is more a little more me than road racing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and don't get me wrong, I love I love the road. But mm-hmm. I, it's Nick and I, I've told Nick many times I would go off roading before I, I would give up street before I would give up off-road. And that's been my whole life. Well, it's so. in- interesting you say that because we always have seats available that we, you know, because part of what we do is we build these cars and we sell seats to people to uh, come down and experience it. I was just going to ask you that, how somebody gets involved with going down there. Not Maybe not as a driver. In fact, if you're just starting out, I probably don't want to be down there as a driver. I'd probably want to go just see what the experience is about because that's exactly. a huge investment to find out the hard way you don't want to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it scares the bejesus out of you. And yeah. I, just, I just bought this car. Yeah. 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 You know, uh, yeah. I don't know. Some of the easy ways to do it is, you know, like Sherry did it, right? You know, be get involved and understand what's happening and get invited. Um, other ways, if you have some experience racing and things like that, you know, uh, you you buy a seat in one of the cars, you know, and you can do that for in the Cayennes. You can do that in in a a race or a rally that they call Slow Baja. You guys might have heard of that. It's part of the Norris series. But what they do is they take you out early in the morning. You leave about 6 o'clock in the morning every morning, and you go out on track, and you take, you know, your G-Wagon or your Cayenne or, you know, 
Land Rover, whatever you want to take, bron- brand new Broncos do it. Um, and they take you out on the track for a few hours and you experience silt beds and big rocks and technical climbs. And then they pull you off to the side of the road so this trophy trucks go flying by at 110 miles an hour, you know? Okay, that's Showing you how to do it right. really fun. I understand. Yeah. I, it, say. It, well, <laughs> I think that's how th- things like the, the, the Bronco... Uh, Baja Bronco or Raptor run and things like that. Yeah. 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 yeah same, same kind of thing. When, yeah. the, when the brand new Bronco came out, I don't know, four years ago or so, they had a special Bronco class where there was like 20 Broncos that went out and followed the leader out through the desert. And, and you have an experienced guide um, out in front of you. You have one in the middle of you and one at, at the tail end. And nobody's left behind. And you go out there and you just thrash. It's, it's a lot of fun. And that's the slow Baja. Don't look at me. You're the one with the Raptor. I'll go with you. I'm just no. saying. <laughs> the, we, yeah. we got a trip to plan. That I've, sounds I've, great. I've, yeah. So that's slow Baja. And then you can join the race if you want to, right? You can run the 500 or the 1,000 in whatever you bring. That's the great thing about Nora is Nora has a lot of different classes where you can kind of you bring what, what, what you brought, right? Run what you brought. You know, you need a full cage for that. You don't need a full cage for the slow Baja, but you need a full cage for, right, yeah. for, for, the, for the real race. But, we, uh, we can go do it on the Hunt of Monkeys. Yeah. That's what that means. <laughs> That's how this whole thing started. I know. Those guys doing it in Baja. So, no. Yeah. You, know, you know, we're in this lovely garage right now, and there's a couple of Vespas behind you. I know. You could, there was a guy. That would be slow. Yeah. There was a guy, uh, like, in 1970, right? Mm-hmm. Italian guy that shows up on a little 150. And runs the Nora race, the thousand mile race. And they lost him about 800 miles in, thought he died or <laughs> broke down or whatever. And uh, didn't, didn't, you know, didn't do a good job of following up with this guy, right? And then at the end of the race, he comes rolling in on his Vespa. He had finished. And he was, he was an Italian guy that had, had, you know, shipped a Vespa over and wanted to do it, right? Yeah. And... Was it? I'm so it much was less last of a May, man. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm looking at Sherry. Last May, this guy who's now 75 years old, at the at our awards banquet, rolls up on the same Vespa, dressed in an Italian flag suit, and rolls up and jumps on stage, and everybody goes crazy, you know, because you know he's the Italian Burt Monroe of Baja, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretty much. That yeah. is so awesome. Yeah. I was going to say, we probably could do it on the monkeys, honestly. You probably could oh, do yeah. it on yeah, the monkeys. Because we're pretty it, modified. Until some trophy truck ran us over. But well, yeah, as long as we had fuel. Well, yeah. see, that's the beauty is the trophy trucks always they leave go first. first. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, yeah. so nope. they only run each other over unless they break down and try to catch up. I'm kind of tempted. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say this ahead of time, and this is self-reflection. I threw a small temper tantrum in McCall after 160 miles. Uh, a thousand <laughs> might be a tough for me, okay? <laughs> sure. <laughs> You know, they, they, they call some padded underwear, man. I really, <laughs> yeah. that's a general life lesson I need, but yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's crazy. They call this race a thousand mile race. Uh-huh. Um, last year it was like 1,250 miles over five days. Right. Yeah. This year it's a six day race and it's going to be like 1380, you know, so. <laughs> so they're you know, lying is what you're saying. Yeah. No. So <laughs> you say, oh, it's a thousand mile race, but there's days that we do 500, almost 500 miles. You know, Sherry was in the, no. in the vehicle on a day that I, I was navigating the first half of the day. She got in the second half of the day, and her second half of the day was almost 20 hours long, you know? So it was a crazy day. You're you know? a badass, wow. Sherry. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Silent but deadly. But we know that, yeah. yeah. Silent 
badly. So yeah, I guess my point is if anybody, you know, not just you two, you know, if anybody listening wants to come to Baja, we have ways to get you to Baja. So This is a constant theme we have found in racing is that a lot of racing and you just want to start out is showing up because if you have the right attitude mm-hmm. and you're not a complete idiot as in you have a growth mindset, you will probably be okay. People actually don't want to see you fail in general when you're supporting a sport they're already in on any right. level. Don't right. get in the way right. and listen to what the experts tell you and you'll probably be pretty welcome. Right. And safe, you know. Yeah. You know, it is, it's, yes, it's, I'm not going to say it's completely safe. It's easy. It's very dangerous. Of but, course. But, you know, you're, you're suited up. You've got a full cage. You, you've been through tech inspection. As long as you don't do something really crazy like drive off the edge of a cliff, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're going to make it through there. You know? Remember, Dominic Dobson did this. He ended up driving into the sea in the middle of the night, um, but um, he, he, <laughs> well, did, he bought a seat and did that, remember, and they missed the turn. And There's plenty of places to do that. The father so. and son that were supposed to drive the car the next day that had paid for a seat was not real happy about it, but yeah, it can happen. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. So, I'm going to change subjects completely because uh, you're a big gin guy. We don't usually talk about alcohol on here, but you're a big gin guy, and I, I hate... Yes. I like gin. Okay. Explain it. Both of you can explain it to me because I, I like trees. It tastes like terpentine to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> not you, me. You've been drinking bad gin. There so, you go. You know. Oh, it's, you're not supposed to drink it out of the bathtub. No. Got it. Okay. No, no. Okay. Got it. So I, I got into gin because, you know, let, let, let's carry it all the way back to the Navy times, right? Okay. Makes that, sense. that was my drink of choice uh-huh. in any port, uh, at my house, in the hot tub, wherever, right? As, as gin. And. My wife and I have always liked gin, and when I worked for Precision Cast Parts, I traveled the world. You know, they would send me to Berlin. They would send me to, you know, Norway. They would send me to, you know, Indiana, right? <laughs> and liking gin, I would pick up a bottle of gin, mm-hmm. right? That would be my souvenir from, you know, Bergen, Norway, right? So over the years, I've collected a lot of gin. I've got over 200 different kinds of gin from all over the world on a nice little shelf in my house. And, you know, my mother-in-law at one point asked, are you sure you don't have a problem? And I said, no, if, if I had a problem, all these would be in the recycle bin. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and my wife, Shawnee, and she said... Don't we, go look in the recycling yeah, bin, though. Yeah, she <laughs> says we have a collecting problem. Yeah, we yeah. don't have a drinking problem, yeah. Right, right, yeah. And there's a big difference, right? I, I could say the same thing about Porsches. You know, I have a collecting problem, not a driving problem, right? Um, so the, the gin was just something that was always in the back of my mind that I wanted to make, you mm-hmm. know? Collecting that many types of gin, I thought... You know, there's certain flavors I like. There's certain flavors I don't like. You know, some people like a very floral gin. I like a very citrus gin, and that comes from my time living in Europe. You know, when I lived in the Mediterranean, the gins were very citrusy, and I liked that. Um, traveling to Norway, the gin in Iceland and places like that. Is it Iceland? It, it is my favorite gin in the world comes from Iceland. So Which one? It's called Reykjavik, so named, oh, yeah. named after the biggest city. And it's it's amazing. And the reason it's amazing is the water there is so pure and, and clean. Um, so I always had this in the back of my mind that I wanted to make some gin. And I don't know if you guys know uh, Nicole and Toby Pond from Shielman. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. So it was my birthday, Toby and Nicole were over. We're sitting out on the back patio. Um, Nicole's like, what are you going to do when you retire? Because, you know, I was getting that that conversation. I said, I want to make gin. And she's like, well, what's holding you back? I said, 
I don't know, nothing really. I, I need I need to buy a little still so I can play with it, right? And she's like, well, why haven't you done that? And I said, well, I looked today and I, online at the still that I want and it's, you know, it's on sale, you know, Christmas sale kind of thing. And she's like, well, why didn't you buy it? And I'm like, damn it, you know, I pull out my <laughs> phone, I buy this still while we're having These dinner. These type of friends are, are worth it, but they're expensive. Yes, they yeah, are. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's something that I wanted to do, and, and I would have done it because I'm the type of person that I put my mind to something, I do it. Um, but without Nicole, you know, prodding me, you know, giving me those five whys that comes from, you know, problem solving, you know, mm-hmm. why, 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 you know, I wouldn't have bought it that day, and I wouldn't have gotten this still before Christmas, you know, and and uh, started playing with it, you know. But now I, I do contract distilling out of a distillery in Oregon City, and I, you know, have sold about 5,000 bottles of gin in the last year. Which, Congratulations. Which is pretty cool. You That's know? very cool. What's yeah. the name of your gin? Uh, I've got three of them now. Oh. Um, so th- the name of the company is Falls, the Falls Distilling, uh-huh. and that's named after Willamette Falls. I grew up just just upriver from Willamette Falls, so uh-huh. that, that means a lot to me. Um, we have River Gin, which is our first gin. Uh, Naughty Gin, which is a Navy Strength Gin. And then we have... <laughs> <laughs> Sherry's a fan. Sherry's a fan. Yeah. And then we have a gin called Captain Webb. And that just came out 14 days ago, 15 days ago now, last two Fridays. So I was laughing because when we were getting ready for this, you two were talking. And you're like, I want to talk about gin. And I'm like, cool, we, we could talk about it. And then Sherry's like, no, gin, gin. And I was like, oh, cool, whatever. <laughs> no, the drink. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The drink, yes. Yeah. So, so, you know, like I said, I, I, when I put my mind to something, I do it. People ask me, how do you know how to make gin? I didn't, right? You learned. I, I figured it out. Because but you I, knew what you liked. I know what I like, yeah. exactly. And, and that's, that goes with anything in anyone's life. You know what you like, you know, pursue that. Make, it, make, make happiness, right? You're going to retire six days after you're dead someday. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. One of those people that's like, yeah, I'm retired, but I also do this, 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 this. and then, it, but, Exactly. You know, so, yeah. Exactly. That's good. You, yeah. You know, between going out to Rossport, you know, and making my gin and, and traveling and doing different things, I, I'm busy, you know. Um, I don't know how I did it I was when on I was a, working. You know? I was on a flight from uh, France, Amsterdam. France or Amsterdam to Nor- to Iceland, mm-hmm. and the the flight attendant. So we brought. Um, I, when I travel internationally, typically when I travel locally, I, do, I got this tip from Katrina. Yeah, Katrina is that I bring chocolates and gifts for the mm-hmm. flight the flight crew, and so the the lady on the flight, uh, she was Icelandic, and I gave them and the crew some chocolates and some uh, some other things and sealed always sealed they always sealed clear. yeah, yeah. Yes. sealed chocolates and everything so they you know just as a Hey, we're not going to be jerks on your flight. Right. We know you're tired of people all day, so please be nice. And she was like the nicest person ever. She gave me every flight of gin that I could think of, anything on the menu. And we were we were first class. It was a birthday trip, and so it was like they're like, try this, try this, try this. This is one of my favorites. And she's telling me all about it. She's giving me notes on where to go in Iceland. Yep. Fantastic. And so I get to sample every Iceland gin they could they could think of. And then I went to a restaurant that her son was managing. And there they gave us more gin and more nice. desserts. And they're like, try this, try this. And Iceland was wonderful for gin. I had no idea. I'd never been to Iceland. And I had no idea that they were so big into gin. And it was delicious. Right. And so many different things. So if you're ever in Iceland, and people don't usually think about this in Iceland, try the gin. There's so and, many great gins. And go to a bar called Kaldi Bar. K-A-L-D-I. K-A-L-D-I. Okay. It's a, it's a gin bar. Ah. If you're if you're downtown Reykjavik, uh, there's, there's a bar that, 
everybody knows where it is. It's called Big Lebowski Bar. It's a white Russian bar. Oh. <laughs> and right around the corner is Caldi Bar. So that's how I tell people to get to the Caldi Bar is find the Big Lebowski because you can't miss it. And then Caldi is right next, right around the corner next door. I've known you for like eight years. You've never offered me gin. Who are you? <laughs> you don't like gin. <laughs> That's not the point. You're supposed to shove it on me. That's yeah. why I give you whiskey. Oh, yeah. good point. Okay, hey. never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, come, come, so, o- come over. I'll give you some I, isolated I, I, I'm, I'm very much open to trying stuff. I, I, I think you're right. I've just had stuff that tasted like it had just been drained from a juniper ber- berry tree. But I was going to ask you, you, you had mentioned some of the, the flavors you like. Is your gin more citrusy? Or, or Obviously, there's different flavors. Well, all three of them are different, so okay. let me tell you a little bit about each one. So the first one, River Gin, has three types of citrus, and then it finishes with star anise. And star anise gives you kind of a licorice taste. Mm, okay. And those two flavors are unique together. Uh, like, like I said, I learned the gins I like from the Mediterranean. And very citrusy, you know, rosemary, olives, things like that. And then the Nordic gins have things like angelica root and licorice root and, and, and anise and things like that. And the reason behind that is when the distiller is walking from his house out to the shed to make his liquor, right, he's picking things along the way that he thinks or she might make the gin better, right? So Nordic gins have more of, of those angelica root type of things in them. Uh, I wanted to mix the two. And by doing so, we came up with a gin um, that doesn't have any bitterness from the juniper. So you said that you don't like gin because it tastes like a pine tree, right? My gin doesn't taste like that. You know, when I started making gin, my friends were like, you know, other than Nicole, why are you making gin? There's thousands of gins out there. And I said I wanted to make gins that you could drink neat. So that was kind of the goal when you're testing and trying different recipes out, because that's what it is. You're just practicing and playing, right? Um, I wanted to make gins that you could sip neat. And my, my theory is any alcohol, if you can drink it neat, it stands on its own. Mm-hmm. If you can't drink it neat, you have to make a cocktail out of it. My that's gins, fair. my gins, you can drink neat or make a cocktail. So they're great. So back to the river gin. It has the three types of citrus and the, and the star anise, and that star anise takes away the bitterness. So it's very, very, very smooth. Okay. Um, the second one that we made is called Naughty Gin, and it's a Navy Strength Gin. And Navy Strength Gin has to be over 114 proof. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Tough stuff, right? <laughs> so Navy Gin uh, is a little more challenging to make something you can drink neat because it's you know, it's pretty high octane, right? Yeah, flammable. Um, yeah, so run your car on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that has six citruses because I I do like the citrus, but then it finishes with heather, and heather was heather was a a unique ingredient because I've got a great friend. Um, this this is this is a good story, but uh, this girl Heather that I I've known since the fifth grade. She has ALS, and she, she has the slow-progressing kind. She got it in university, mm-hmm. so she, you know, she's had ALS for 35 years. Um, she's an inspiration to me. I, I, I love her. Um, she is a great human being. And we were sampling some of the river, and I said, I'm going to make a gin with Heather in it. And she's, you know, all excited about that. And, and my wife is Googling, is Heather poisonous? You know, if, yeah. can, can Heather <laughs> go in gin? Kill us? And yeah. she looks at me like, yes, all right, it's good, you yeah. know. <laughs> so, so I wanted to put Heather in this gin for no other reason 
wasn't a it wasn't a chemical property it wasn't a taste flavor that I wanted in there I wanted to put it in my gin because of my friend Heather right so the sideline of this is Heather cleanses your palate Ah. okay so when you drink this gin you taste the citrus up front and then your palate just is like I don't want to say you raced because the citrus is there, but every everything else is taken away. So you really get this really nice citrus forward gin. And then by cleaning everything else off your palate, those the oils and the bitterness of the juniper go away. So it huh. made a neat gin at 115 proof that you can sit, you know, if we had some right now, which, you know, we should, but if we had some right now, you could sip this and it's amazing. Just kind of give you that uh, clear sinuses feeling, but not, not even, the burn? Not, not, even, not even that. Wow. Not even. It doesn't give you any burn. Um, the 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 flavor is there. Um, you get this, what I call a secondary taste off of it. Because I, I, I made this one to uh, drink a martini, okay? Huh. I, I like martinis. So you you drink this this drink, and you get the citrus on your palate, and you can feel the evaporation of the liquor off your palate, right? Because mm-hmm. it's 115 proof. But it's pulling that citrus with it. So it's almost, you know, I don't want to say floral because it's citrus, but you can f- you can taste it again, right? And that secondary taste is what carries you through to your next sip of your drink. So some some drinks, I don't I don't care if it's a rum and coke or whatever, you drink it and that initial taste is really nice, right? Mm-hmm. But then it falls flat on its face and your body is like, give me another taste because I want that flavor again. With this gin... You get that nice taste up front, but then that secondary taste carries you through as you're breathing, right? It's evaporating. It carries you through to your next taste. So it's a great hold on to your cocktail, have a good conversation kind of drink. You know, it's not a chug a lug drink, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I've definitely been drinking crappy gin. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so then, then you know, nothing is ever enough for me. <laughs> Sorry, Shawnee, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, I wanted to make a gin that is barrel-rested because one of my favorite gins is a local gin here that is a, a barrel-rested gin that I like. Um, and I wanted to make a barrel-rested gin to, to you know, complement that or compete with that one. Um, so barrel-rested meaning it evaporates more in the Well, so, so the difference is is you, you distill. Okay. And then once you distill, you put it into a barrel. And what that barrel does, I use a, a white oak barrel with a number two char. And what that does is it changes the color to an amber color um, and imparts flavors on the backside of it that you would never think would be there. So I use the same recipe as the naughty gin, which is the six citruses and the heather. And I put that into a barrel and it rests in that barrel for a, a time. And then it comes out amber with caramels and smokes and, you know, a little touch of nutmeg on the end of it. And it's very, very nice and smooth. It, it, it makes a great old-fashioned. It makes a great um, Negroni. Um, they're all very, very nice gins. That She's showing us pictures of, of the gin protection. So, Ah, there you go. Can, can you reuse the barrels? Um, I can. Um, so many companies with whiskey and wine, and so they don't. But I was just so curious. they do, but they do it for a select time. Yeah. Yep. So um, I do have a select time that I'm reusing the barrels for. That's something I don't want to 
tell you because I think that's what makes me different than other people. Fair enough. And and same with the barrel resting, the time that it's in the barrel, yeah. that makes me different than other people. So, um, but they're very very nice, nice gins. I, I'm I'm very proud of them. I'm, I'm very proud of my wife, Shawnee. You know, she's a hundred percent all in on this. Uh, the river gin that was that was her recipe. You know, um, I, I'm very lucky, and you know, everything I do with her is you know. I sometimes come up with crazy ideas, and and she jumps right in with me. So she sounds like a great partner. She, she is. She's a, she's she a into partner. the cars like you are. Um, yeah. Kay. She she you know, I I like playing with them and mechanicals and all that kind of stuff. She likes that you know they're pretty and that they drive fast and and she's a driver. You know we uh mm-hmm. we've been on a lot of adventures and cars together and you know on a closed track in, 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 uh, Nevada it might not have been a closed track, but you know, we're doing 150 miles an hour in my 993 and she's knitting, you know, just, you know, no, no issues. I know that track. That's yeah. I've been to that track. You've been yeah. to that yeah. track. Yeah. 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 You have to get special tech to go in there with knitting needles, yeah. but you know, she, um, <laughs> she doesn't, well, that you know, could be a problem if you crashed a car, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, but she, that, that doesn't phase her because yeah. I, you know, for good or bad, she trusts me, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I wouldn't put us in any danger that, that I, you know, I wouldn't purposely do that, right? But yeah, she sounds a lot like my girlfriend. She yeah. tells if, if I'm going too fast or she's in, she just tells me she's like, yeah, I think I have to limit today. Okay, yeah, I have my fun. <laughs> yeah, she rarely tells me I'm going too fast, um, unless we're just on the highway here, you know, around yeah. Portland or something. But if we're on a, you know, we just drove down to Rensport with a, you know, eight cars, went down the coast and. There's, there was no issue at all, even when we did did fun stuff, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. What's in your stable right now? Yeah, as far as I was going to ask that. Geez. You don't mind? So I heard a 993 turbo. That's yeah. a great car in a stable. But, uh, it was not a turbo. No, oh. Just 993. And I just, and I just sold that a couple weeks ago, actually. Oh. Um, I sold it about two, a year and a half ago, and I told the guy, uh, if you ever want to get rid of it, I get first right of refusal. So he mm-hmm. called me and said, I want to sell this thing. And I said, okay, I'll buy it back. And I bought it back, and the whole reason I sold it is that I wasn't driving it, and you know, I can put seven cars in my garage, but I was—I'm out of space mm-hmm. for, for an easy way to say it. Um, and so I, I bought it back, and then I sold it to somebody that's going to make something very special out of it. Um, that it will be very, very special. So, cool. Um, yeah, it, it'll be a really cool car when it's done. So. Um, but yeah, so back to the stable question, I've got a lot of, a lot of stuff, um, you know, in front of my, in front of my financial guy, my wife, a, a year ago, he made me write out every car I had oh. and, and she's looking at them like, where's that one? Where's that one? Where's that one? You know, so, um, I buy and sell cars, you know, if I see something that I like, that's a good deal, I'll buy it. Um, my latest car is a 1970 911 uh, Targa, Irish green. Cool. Bought it from the state of the original owner. He he bought it after he graduated from med school at OHSU here in Portland. And then uh, he went to Germany for two months and drove his new car around Europe and shipped it home. Drove it every day as his daily driver from his house out in uh, Hillsborough to uh, St. Vincent's. And one night coming home after a surgery, two o'clock in the morning, he's on 217 here in town and a truck ahead of him dropped a whole bunch of pipe 
scaffolding in front of him and it all bounced over the top of him put a nice little crease on the door and rear fender but he never drove the car again that was november of 1983 so this car had sat in his collection and he i say his collection because he had his or his estate now has about 50 cars that he had collected and this was the only porsche and a friend of a friend told me about it i went out there i bought the car and come to find out my wife, her, her job, uh, before she retired, she worked for Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, and she called on this doctor. She knew him really well <laughs> and knew his wife, who I bought the car from, uh, knew his wife because she was the office manager of the clinic that he, he ran. He was a urologist here in town. And so it's wow. kind of a small world when you come to it. And, you know, it was on a Sunday. I called Jeff Gamroth up. I said, hey, I'm dropping a car off at the shop. Uh, and... He's like, where'd you get that? I said, five miles away from your shop, you know? And so those cars are out there, you know? So this car is a 92,000 mile original owner car, um, Irish green with a, with a tan interior that is going to be a survivor. You know, I'm going to reseal the motor and, and, uh, drive it. So that's the latest one. Um, cool. That's a, a great story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the connection, this whole circle connection is important. Right. So it, and and I'm sure he's really glad. Um, obviously, he's passed, but that you know, yeah, that it went to somebody. That, yeah. You know, his wife was was so gracious. You know, I sat with sat with her for hours around dining room table. We just talked about just random stuff, not cars, not not him, just random, and it all all tied together. You know, it was pretty pretty neat. But uh, you know, another car story is I, I'm always you know I'm always on the lookout for a car. Like I said, I, I don't care if it's a a Cayenne or a 911 or a 356. Right, I, I I'm always on the out. On, on the look and so at work at precision cast parts i said you know random people hey if you ever see a porsche for sale let me know you know and this this guy that he was my boss at the time john barnes he said you know my brother's into porsches maybe he's got one and i said i said yeah let him know, you know let him know i'm looking and so this guy calls me steve barnes and he lives up in uh, rainier washington Mm -hmm. by Tadino, kind of yep. by Great Wolf there. Um, he lives up there, and he, he calls me, and he says, yeah, he says, I've got a few. He's, I've got one right now that I, I want to sell. It's a 66. And I had just bought a 66 um, to restore, um, and so I thought, hmm, that might be interesting. So I drive up there. I look at the car. It's a slate gray car, um, and the COA, when it was completed, the day it rolled off the assembly line, was my wife's birthday. <laughs> her actually her actual birthday, you know. And I just did not shit, I just said how old she is now. I'm in trouble. You know? <laughs> uh, but it was her actual birthday. Just the day, not the year. Yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> so it was her actual birthday and I couldn't not buy this car, right? Yeah. And he wanted too much money for it. So I talked him out of parts and, you know, all kinds of different things and you know, the early 66 cars came with Solex carburetors that everybody threw away because they didn't run right and put Webers on them. Yep. And uh, he had a set of Solexes on the shelf with the air cleaner and the fuel pump and everything to put these on this car that he was going to do but never did. He had the original uh, uh, chrome wheels date match to the car. He, you know, he had all these parts for this car. and And after, you know, talking him out of some other parts, we settled on a price and... And I said, I'll, I'll be, I'll drive home. I'll grab my trailer and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll come and get it today. And he's like, you know, I've got to go see my brother tomorrow who lives 
you know, in Westland. And, and he says, I'll bring it down for you. He says, but you got to have a 12 pack for me. I said, okay. So he drove it down. We had a couple beers in my garage. His brother came over. We chatted for a few hours and, <laughs> you know, and that car is, a, you know, I've done a lot of work to that to, uh, you know, fix it up for, but it's, uh, everything is going to be basically brand new underneath, you know, suspension, brakes, motor, transmission, interior, but this original slate gray paint is all crazed, and I, I put a, a matte clear on that, um, so it, it's going to look nice, and I, I want to get that one done here pretty soon. That, That's really yeah. cool. That'll be a, a great piece just to hold on to, too. Yeah, yeah. That, that, Perfect uh, sentimental car. N- never sell that car. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, th- those, are, uh, those are a few of them. So I've also got this Cayenne, um, you know, when, when, uh, when I told you that in 2016, Jeff said, hey, we're going to race a car. And in my mind, I thought a Cayenne. Uh-huh. Yeah. We finally got one. Um, I think it was three years ago. Three years ago, we were coming back from the 1,000-mile race, and Jeff said, you know what? We need to do a Cayenne. We need to do a Cayenne. So... While we're driving through California after this long race, uh, we call it Matt Crandall Avant-Garde mm-hmm. and say, Matt, find us a find us a Cayenne. We want to build a race car out of it. About an hour later, we're still driving through California, you know, and he calls back. He says, I got the perfect car for you. It'll be at the shop when you guys get back. We get back to the shop, <laughs> and it's a 2006 Titanium Edition with very low miles on it. The car is perfect. You know, and we're like, we can't tear this car apart. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know th- this car is way too nice, you know. So, yeah. you know, and, and whoever the original owner was from Hood River, hopefully they're listening and understand that we didn't tear their car apart. <laughs> uh, Jeff drives that as his daily driver today, you know, <laughs> back and forth from home to work. But uh, so I found another car. This is kind of funny, too. It was in southeast Portland. Reasonable. Went out and talked to the guy. And he's like, yeah, he says, it, it needs some work, obviously. And then price reflected that. And I said, I told him, I'm, I'm tearing this thing apart. It's going to get a cage. And he's like, all right, cool, you know. So I drive it home. And I get home and I tell my wife, get in. You know, let's go. You know, I, I've got a little bit of property at the house and I got some jumps and stuff i said let's go jump it you know and she's like all right she goes out there and goes to open the passenger door and it doesn't open no i'm like what the hell you know i would go for the car ready the doors are sealed yeah yeah so i buy this car without the door opening and she's like you didn't test that i'm like I didn't get in the passenger side. You know, he tossed me the keys. I took it for a test drive. So she climbed in and we jumped it off a bump and she's like, okay, yeah, have fun, you know? (laughs) And so I tore this car apart. Um, and we built this car to take to, to, uh, the Nora race and we took it down there and then broke everything. (laughs) Fair. So your question earlier, what, what did we anticipate the break on the nine 11s and we brought every part, Broke everything on the Cayenne, didn't bring very many spares. <laughs> so after about 70 miles, I was towed out of the desert back to a road, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. But we fixed it up, and we went back, and you know, then we fixed it up, and we go back. back yeah. and Does the door work? Yeah, yeah, door okay, works. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had to tear the whole interior out of it to get the door to work, but you know, we had to tear the interior out anyway. Sure. Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah. That's awesome. But, yeah, it's been a fun car. Um, you know, I uh, 
had it all wrapped up with the martini livery, you know. And oh, it, yeah, yeah. And it was a magazine car in the Avance magazine. Oh, I know okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know the one now, yeah. Yep. yep. So, you know, that that was a great photo shoot down at the beach. And then uh, um, this early this summer, we rented a couple Cayennes to uh, a production company that was going to do a Nike commercial. And they rewrapped them the way they wanted. And they said, oh, yeah, we'll rewrap it back the way you want when, you know, when when we're done. And, and we went out and took a couple of Cayennes to the Central Oregon Desert and ripped them around for four days. And they videotaped all this stuff. And uh, when I went back to PDX Raps, Austin PDX Raps, shout out. He's a good dude. Um, when I went back out to him, uh, Josh from Rossport said why are you rewrapping it martini you own a gin company rewrap it you know why advertise for them right off yeah so nike's paying for it even better yeah Yeah. so 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 we rewrapped it as the falls distilling uh cayenne so that's how it is and and uh people have seen it around town it's been pretty awesome so but uh yeah it's been a lot of fun and but you know as i mentioned earlier we're building a a third cayenne as a new race car Mm -hmm. and the reason behind that is the cayennes are great off-road trail riding kind of vehicles but when you get them off the ground or get them fast they break you know there's a lot of things to break the the axles aren't very long in the front or rear um so you can't lift them too high. I say, yeah, you're you know, a little you're, out of their element when yeah, you're starting the, off the, the angles start going wrong, you know. So we're we're going to build something that has a little more width, um, a lot more travel um, that we can get airborne. Nice. Yeah. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, how do we find your gin? Where is that available at? So Oregon only at this point. Okay. Um, Oregon is a controlled state, and it's kind of the easiest way to get, get going. Uh I'm in about 80 different liquor stores in the state. Okay. And there's a really cool website in Oregon called OregonLiquorSearch.com. And you just type in, you know, River Gin, Naughty Gin, or Captain Webb, and it tells you what liquor store in the state it's at. Oh, that's really useful. Yeah. Yeah, it's very nice. Excellent. Well, we really appreciate you taking time and coming on and sharing some of your stories and, you know. Yeah, it's gonna be a I'm good sorry one. you were held hostage in a, in a restaurant, but it turned out well. Yeah, it turned um, out well for, I, I think, for all, both of us, right? I have to tell you, that's a wonderful way to meet people. I've never heard that done. I'm going to use that in the future. Yeah. So I'm also just, I don't know sitting, if it'll work as well for us, but I, it uh, probably won't. We will try. You know, Sit my, down and my, tell my, me a story. Yeah, my <laughs> only regret of meeting, my only regret of meeting Sherry yeah. is, as everybody knows, she was married recently, right? Right. Married to a great guy, Glenn, on my birthday. And I couldn't <sighs> come. Because it was during Rensport reunion, Rensport <laughs> reunion trumped her wedding. You know, it, it just I tried to talk him into the week later because then it would have been my anniversary. My anniversary's week rude, later. Rude, Sherry, so, just yeah, rude. But, well, at least you were invited. <laughs> I, we didn't even know. So good luck with that. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you taking time well, and coming you. down I here and taking Saturday. So yep. yeah. Yep. For this episode of the Avance Podcast, as always, I'm Nick. I'm Dan, and don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.